So one of the biggest things that I recommend is that people are maxing out their 401k. So maxing out your 401k looks like about $20,000 right now. So that means that you're taking your W-2 check and before you take your take home, you're putting money into your 401k. And so what happens with that is that that money is not taxable to you right now. So that comes straight off of the top. And so what happens is it limits your tax liability. You know, not only are you saving for the future, which obviously we're heavily promoting that, but you're also probably getting a match from your employer. So you're probably getting some free money in there as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that you are maxing out your 401k. So even if you can't do $20,000 a year, start where you can at least try to get the match if your company offers one three percent five percent ten percent whatever it is try to put that much of your pay in there yeah and then from there try to build upon that until you get to where you're maxing it out at twenty thousand dollars a year welcome to the uncensored show with your host george Paul, where we share the mindset tips tools strategies and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And on today's podcast, we got a chance to sit down with Jacqueline Shattuck. I really hope I pronounced that the right way. And she is a certified financial planner, which is the industry gold standard as it relates to an expert when it comes to financial advice. We have a really, really special announcement that we actually make on this episode and, um, you know, I'm not going to spoil it on this intro, but just know that it's a really, really exciting announcement. And so I'll tell you a little bit about today's guest before we dive into today's episode. So Jacqueline Shattuck is a certified financial planner professional who partners with individuals and families to help them gain financial clarity. She believes that people need more comprehensive financial guidance in order to make the best decisions. And she has a passion for helping clients achieve financial success. Jacqueline has been asked to contribute to numerous media outlets, including CNBC, MarketWatch, Atlanta Business Chronicles, and many, many more. In any given week, you can find her just dropping game and giving y'all big money energy. So it was a pleasure to have her on the show and getting to know her over the past year. And I knew that I wanted to bring her on to the show to really highlight some insight and game and perspective when it comes to this financial planning game. Um, so we can nerd out on some finance stuff, but yeah, tune into this week's episode. You are not going to want to miss it. What's up everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the uncensored podcast. And today we got a really special guest. Uh, so I think we got connected. I went to an XYPN conference and then someone was telling me about like all the financial advisor friends that they knew. They're like, yo, you got to check out or connect with, uh, Jacqueline. I was like, who's that? And then they uh, show me your IG profile. I was like, she's a financial advisor? I was like, because mostly most of us are like kind of corny. Like, I'm not, but like most of us are kind of, I was like, you sure? She was like, yeah, like she, she's an advisor. So I checked 
checked her stuff out. I was like, oh, okay. So she's not your average financial advisor. So we kind of had this ongoing inside joke uh, since we got connected. Uh, really dope person. Really glad to have her on the show. And um, yeah, so Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we're getting a chance to connect. You're right. We do go back and forth about who is the coolest financial planner. I think I might be in the lead right now. We don't have to do a poll. We don't have to do a poll. <laughs> okay. We'll do now, a poll. So, so how, how's, your, how's your day going? How's your week? It's good. You know, quarantine is a little bit different. Um, working from home, obviously. Uh, Mr. President's hanging out today, so he'll be <laughs> a co-interviewee. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, quarantine is good. Business has been booming. Uh, you know, everybody has a lot of financial questions, and so I'm glad to be able to answer them. Awesome. So yeah, we'll we'll let this be like a like almost like a complimentary session. I'll try to think about all the stuff that people will probably would want to ask you and ask those questions on their. <laughs> um, so let's kind of start from the top. Uh, who who is who is Jacqueline? That's a good question. Uh, as you said, I'm not your average financial advisor. So my story is a little bit different as to why I'm in the industry and why I decided to pursue the certified financial planner designation. And so long story short, um, I ended up in financial planning because my family lost about 1.4 million uh, due to bad financial advice. Wow. I don't even think I knew that. Wow. Okay. Well, no, I think that back. I did know that. Okay. I just, I just learned it recently, but I didn't know that. that's right. Okay, yeah. So, you know, watching my family fall victim to poor financial advice just led me to ask a lot of questions. And because nobody could answer my questions, I decided to be the person who answers those questions. And so that led me to the certified financial planner designation. Now, I explain that story as like a this happened, then that happened. It's a clear trajectory to CFP and everything's working great. But Honestly, the story was like very much like this. There was a lot of, um, you know, just asking questions about how does personal finance work? It started with the question of credit. Uh, I was wondering, I was like 18 years old and I decided that I was going to want to buy a house one day. Yeah. And so I was like, I think in order to buy a house, you need like credit or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Yeah. So I, you know, started with my natural market and I was like, hey, mom, auntie, how do I get credit? And they couldn't answer my question. So that led me to a bank. I would bank with Bank of America. So I walked into Bank of America, sat down with a personal banker, said, I think I need a credit card. And they were like, possibly. So they went ahead and like ran me for a credit card and I was approved. And that was kind of how that journey started for me. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, I with the help of Google, looked up the certified financial planner designation and found out that a CFP is trained in X, Y, and Z areas of finance. And I was like, okay, that's what I need because I want to be able to help people with not just their investments, but all parts of their personal financial life. Right, right. So is it safe to say like the CFP is like the equivalent of being what it, what it would be to be a doctor in the medical field, right, for the financial services industry. Yeah, um, so there actually is a PhD in personal financial planning, but a lot of times people will refer to the certified financial planner as like the PhD of financial planning and really the gold standard for those who want to, you know, explore additional education. 
Got it. Got it. No, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's almost like, you know, like they say, you solve your own problem, right? Um, and so you solved it in a major way. And so that's why you decided to become a financial planner. You were, it must be in my head because that was the next question, right? Um, so I'll uh, transition to the next one. So what would you say is your approach to advising clients? Because everybody has a different approach. And again, obviously, personally, I know that you have a different approach than maybe a lot of other advisors in the industry. So can you, can you share a little bit about the way you approach advising your clients? That's a good question because as you said, there's so many different kinds of financial planners and advisors out here and everybody has a different method. But for me, I like to call it um, like investment management through a financial planning lens. So I don't believe that we can focus on just one area of finance. I don't believe that your investments work autonomously to the rest of your finances. Right. And, you know, I learned that through personal experience, watching my family get investment advice, but not holistic financial planning advice. And for that reason, I believe that you need somebody who can talk to you about all of the areas of your personal finances. I don't believe that we can just solely talk about your investments because what happens with that is, and in my mother's situation, the advisor only talked to her about her investments. The advisor didn't talk to her about cash flow. So, you know, my mom received this large amount of money and she didn't know how long she would really be set for. So she wanted to take a break from work. She knew it wasn't gonna be retirement for the rest of her life, but she wanted to take a break. Her financial advisor wasn't able to sit down with her and say, okay, this is how much you need for this. This is how much you need for that. This is your living expenses. This is how long you can live on that portion of that. She didn't have anybody to do that. And so that's the biggest reason why I take this approach because a financial planner who works with you holistically can help you with all of those areas. So I sit down and talk to clients about cash flow. We talk about health insurance. We talk about life insurance, disability. Those are all very important pieces especially for somebody who's self-employed. Right. So I take a very holistic approach to financial planning and investment management. Yeah, that's so important. I'm gonna tell you when it really hit home for me how important it was. Because obviously I've been in the industry for a while now, but in 2016, I guess really 2015 was the start of it. So like I had this fluke situation where I had a, a tumor that was growing in my spine, didn't know it, thought I was just you know working out too hard or something. And so I was going to like massage therapists, chiropractors. And then eventually when the pain got se- severe enough, I, I, was, I went to the hospital. But I went, I had to go through so many different experts um, to try to ultimately get to the root cause of what was going on. And what I realized is that these experts were operating in silos. And so they might've been really good at understanding kidney disease. They might've been really good at understanding issues with bones and muscles, like, but they were operating in silos and couldn't connect the dots and couldn't see, as they said, the forest for the trees, right? And so when it clicked for me, it's like, man, wouldn't it just make more sense if they understood how all these pieces fit together and didn't try to compartmentalize the human body? And I was like, oh, that's, that's how you got to do financial planning, right? Because if you are working with an insurance agent, right, then, you know, they're often considered they consider themselves financial advisors, no knock to insurance agents. And so then what happens is it's like, okay, I'm working with that professional, but he doesn't necessarily have the context to these other moving parts. And so you're just gonna have a disjointed, clunky, inaccurate, inefficient financial strategy, right? And that's when it clicked for me that that was kind of the process or the model 
that any real advisor needs to follow. And so I think you know, someone like yourself, um, who's, a, who's a CFP and really has a deep expertise in what that looks like, that's why it is the gold standard because while you probably can acquire that education and have that perspective as an advisor, which there's plenty I know that do, you, you, you have a license that mandates, like I, I can only get this, this credential because I under, have a deep understanding of it. So that's why it's the gold standard. But it makes so much sense because again, that happened to me and I was like, that's the reason why um, people's financial plans don't go according, according to plan, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I didn't know that you were fighting a tumor. I know through social media, like that you had some sort of a spine thing. You said spine surgery and you were kind of getting back to working out after that. So, I mean, you know, congratulations to you. What do they say? You don't look like what you've been through. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, uh, Let's hope not. <laughs> right, right, right. It was a challenging, it definitely was a challenging year. Um, and I think this is kind of a, kind of a good segue to, you know, your philosophy um, on just life and money in general. But um, I realized during that season, because I, I am very big on working out, that I was tying a lot of my identity and self-worth to my like physical appearance, right? Because at that time I was in the best shape of my life. And the moment that like that got taken from me and I went from, you know, this guy who was like in the best shape of his life to like, I didn't even recognize myself when I looked in the mirror. Like I realized at that time, I also had to undo some of my mentality and perspective about my self-worth um, mm -hmm. and about like what wealth is in, in, in totality, right? Because sometimes, you know, we tie wealth or self-worth to money or sometimes it may be people tie their self-worth to their body or whatever. And, you know, it is kind of holistic in nature, but you also have to really consider like, you know, at the end of the day, my identity in my, is tied to my virtues. And no matter what I don't have at the moment, it doesn't necessarily change who I am or what my self-worth is. So can you talk a little bit about like your perspective on just like positivity and energy, like the different buckets of wealth that you would consider? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a really good point. It's hard for me to watch. So not only with my family, but with clients as well. And this is why this, just hits home for me. It's hard to watch other people in depression or desperation. Um, it's hard for me to watch people who are really seeking for answers um, and that eats them up inside and you can see it. You know, the way that your mental works obviously is gonna flow through everything that you do. Right. So it, it always intrigued me. I was like, hmm, I don't really understand why people will do the things that they do and act the way that they act. So that led me actually to take more behavioral finance courses, um, just as they don't earn designations, but they're classes that I've taken just to understand how people move the way that they do with their finances. Right. And so if you have seen my social media, then you know I'm all about money planning and positivity. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the title of the book that I've written that will be dropping probably the, a week or so after this podcast drops. And I'm really excited about that because not only is it a financially focused book, but it's also a self-help book because I just don't believe that your finances can work autonomous of the rest of your entire life. So just like I don't believe your investments work solely, I just don't believe that your money works solely to the rest of 
your life and how you view things. And so I really try to help people understand and internalize some of the things that have happened to them in their life and how they can flip that and make it a positive. So for example, there was a quote in CNBC um, where I was asked about what to do if you're resenting your parents for not teaching you personal finance. Mm. And one of the biggest things that I said was, well, don't hold that against your parents because typically your parents are trying to do their best for you. And a lot of times we don't see that. Sometimes we try to put our parents on like this high pedestal. But a lot of times what I've noticed from talking with clients is when they have that kind of resentment for their parents, I ask more about their parents' situation. And typically their parents are not usually financially literate or they don't typically have a lot of money. So these are first generation people. So I try to let them know that, you know, people, doctors, parents, uh, presidents, lawyers, everyone's just a person. Yeah. And we all just decide to do different things. So your parents, they just decided to have you, you know, (laughs) your doctor, just the person who decided to go to medical school. So I I try to help people with that sort of a a mindset kind of shift. No, that makes sense. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another segment of Fix Your Financial Fix Your Finances Friday, where each and every Friday we help you fix one thing as it pertains to your finances. And on this Friday, I want you to do a financial audit, right? Like I want you to take a look at everything, your your bills, your expenses, your debts, your your income, your investments. I want you to look at every aspect of your financial plan. I want you to do an audit and measure yourself like, where am I? How am I doing? Do I feel confident about this? Do I know where all my stuff is at, right? I want you to do a financial audit. And that way, as we close out this year and wind down the year, you can really have clarity before you go into the new year, not not waiting until you get to the new year, but have clarity going into it exactly where you are, all right? So do a financial audit and let me know how it goes. So what would you say are some of like the common pitfalls that you see when it comes to people trying to get their money together? Common pitfalls. The biggest one that I see is desperation. And a lot of that has to do with social media. I see people acting on impulse and I see people like trying to speed up the process. And when you speed up the process, you end up missing some things usually. So, you know, of course, when you use a professional to do something, that's their job. So they should cover all of these areas with you, right? But a lot of people that try to DIY their own personal finances, I see that they're acting out of desperation. And when anytime you're acting out of desperation, you're going to make different decisions than you would make if you were working from an abundance kind of a mindset, right? an attraction kind of a mindset. So that's one of the hardest things to watch um, is just seeing people act out of desperation. That makes total sense. Makes total sense. And I think last Friday, we were supposed to, we were actually supposed to do this podcast last Friday. And I can't remember if it was, I think my schedule threw it off. And then I was hoping to push it back later in the day, but then you mentioned you had to go look at an investment. 
right? So I want to know as a financial advisor, as a non-traditional financial advisor, as a motorcycle riding, luxury car driving, I feel like I sound like Ric Flair now. You know how Ric Flair We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Motorcycle driving. Uh, but anyway, uh, what, are, what are some of your favorite investments um, when it comes to just building wealth? Favorite investments when it comes to building wealth. So I actually have a post that I recycle on my social media all the time because it's I mean, so good. Like, just stop creating new stuff and just recycle because every time you post it, it's, it's always still a gym. So it's like- It's I, always a gym. But the thing is, it's repetition, especially if you're DIY, like you've got to have that repetition to keep you on par. Whereas if you hired myself or George, it's our job to do that for you and to help you along with that. But if you're DIY, like you really need to be up on this stuff. And so I have a post, it's the five best investments that I think that you can make. And so the first one on there is actually, what is it, George? Quiz time. What it say? What? what? What's the first one on there? Oh, oh, health, health. Boom. You got it. Yeah. So the yeah. first one on there is health. Like especially amid COVID. I don't want to digress, but I did have COVID early March, seven weeks, no taste or smell for 19 days. It was terrible. So aside from that, like just like you said, working out. You know, you were in the best shape of your life, and not being able to work out completely changed your mindset, how you felt about yourself. So health is number one on there. Yeah. The second one I, is I just to interject real quick. I'm back to pretty that, close to the best best shape of my life. So <laughs> in COVID nineteen, okay. so I didn't have to wait for the summer body. You know, what I'm saying turtleneck, <laughs> fit strong. Anyways. <laughs> We're I, making I, it swimsuit season year round. Well, so you stay ready. Stay ready. We both have on turtlenecks right now, but <laughs> and our glasses are similar too. Y'all see that? I told you we're competing for the coolest. Competing so. for the coolest. Is it like a like an implicit cool advisor handbook? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are the odds that we both have the same glasses? We're, we're gonna create it. Only thing, only thing I'm missing is my necklace because I wasn't gonna put it on this morning, but I was rushing. Oh, okay. Well, next time. <laughs> So, right. So health is on there. Then the next piece is actually knowledge or career. So a lot of times people will, I get a lot of questions about entrepreneurship and small business owners. And we know like that's the buzz right now to have your own business and it can be amazing for your tax situation. Right. But I don't want to negate people who work W2 positions. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you can for sure build wealth doing that. And you can also live the life that you want to live while working your W-2. Right. But when you do work your W-2, if you are looking for entrepreneurship, I like to promote that people get as much out of their job as they can. So a lot of people who work W-2s, they're like, oh, I don't really like this job. I don't really want to be here. I'm just trying to wait to the next thing. Like, no, soak up the moment. Like, learn everything that you can. I hate to hear when people are like, oh, um, my bachelor's degree is just a piece of paper, like da, 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 da. If your bachelor's degree is only a piece of paper to you, then you were doing something wrong for four plus years mm -hmm. because you should have gotten more out of that bachelor's degree than just a piece of paper. Right. If you didn't, then you need to look at yourself. So I encourage people to just soak up what they can wherever they are because you can always learn things from any situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. so first one is health 
Second one, knowledge career. The third one being the stock market. So of course, as financial advisors, that's what we help our clients do. We help them make money in the stock market. We help them design portfolios to know what's going to be suitable for their situation, what's going to be best for their risk tolerance, et cetera. So aside from the stock market, you want to make sure that you're paying off debt. So it's just an opportunity cost trade-off. I know you guys have talked about this on your podcast before, but if you're paying 25% on your debt and your investments are making 10%, then just kind of rough math, you're losing 15%, right? So be careful about the debt load that you carry, you know, the kinds of debt, the interest rates, all of that, um, because that's important. And so that can also be an investment paying off your debt. I know it doesn't seem like it. It's not going to make that Robinhood account look beautiful, but it is actually an investment. And the last one being real estate. So of course, everybody needs somewhere to live. Uh, Real estate market is hot right now with COVID and nobody wanting to be out. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so real estate is the last one on there. Love that. Love that. Um, back to one of your points about being a business owner and that being something that can be you know, good for folks. Um, if you are W-2 and you don't feel like you can take advantage of all the tax advantages that a business owner can take, what are some of the tax advantages as a W-2 individual that you can take advantage of? Or how would you recommend a W-2 individual um, you know, be able to maximize their tax strategy? That's a good question. So we know the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changed the tax code, was one of the largest tax overhauls that we've had in history, especially recent yeah. history. And so with that, what happened was people saw the standard deduction go up to 12,000 or something. It essentially doubled for most people. And so with that, people went from itemizing their deductions to taking the standard deduction. And I know this is probably, this can be a lot for viewers, but with that, I tell people that even if you are taking the standard deduction, there are other ways to limit your tax liability if you are W-2. So one of the biggest things that I recommend is that people are maxing out their 401k. So maxing out your 401k looks like about $20,000 right now. So that means that you're taking your W-2 check and before you take your take home, you're putting money into your 401k. And so what happens with that is that that money is not taxable to you right now. So that comes straight off of the top. And so what happens is it limits your tax liability. You know, not only are you saving for the future, which obviously we're heavily promoting that, but you're also probably getting a match from your employer. So you're probably getting some free money in there as well. And so it's really important that you are maxing out your 401k. So even if you can't do $20,000 a year, start where you can. At least try to get the match if your company offers one, 3%, 5%, 10%, whatever it is, try to put that much of your pay in there. Yeah. And then from there, try to build upon that until you get to where you're maxing it out at $20,000 a year. Nice. So that's going to be one of the biggest tax recommendations that we'll make for W-2 people. And it can get much more complicated from there. There can be other ways to save, but that's just an easy one off the top. Oh, okay. And I love that.
Did you know that some people may change jobs upwards to 11 times throughout their career? And while that's awesome for your career advancement, what does it mean for your retirement? Every time you open up a new company-sponsored retirement plan, what happens when you transition to a new employer? Do you roll it over? Do you leave it behind? What's happening with it? Is it growing? Are you being charged fees? Those are all common questions that people don't even think about. And that's exactly why we launched the No 401k Left Behind campaign, where our firm CapitalWise can help you consolidate and organize any old 401ks into one place. So if you're looking to reclaim your money, click the link in the show notes to learn more about our No 401k Left Behind campaign. Um, so I feel like, you know, we, with this recurring theme of not being your average financial advisor, um, I, I guess I'm curious, uh, do you feel like the rules to building wealth have changed? Um, do you feel like they've evolved? Uh, what is your perspective on like, so, you know, my average listener is probably a millennial, right? Somewhere between, let's call it early 20s to mid thirties or something like that. So what do you feel like are the rules to wealth building for someone in that demographic, right? Good question. I'm just gonna say all of your questions are good questions. (laughs) I'm excited to answer these questions. It's my favorite thing to talk about. So with that, I think that the rules to wealth building have changed, especially for your average 20 to 30 year old. Um, there's one point that I bring up that, uh, a lot of people don't really talk about and it's kind of how financial planning has changed. So remember we used to have world wars. There's two of them really big ones. And we had other wars after that. So traveling internationally wasn't really a thing for your, um, like baby boomers. Yeah. older people like that wasn't a thing so when it came to financial planning people weren't planning for international travel which can be very expensive so not only do we have international travel which has changed financial planning for young people because now we see instagram me especially i see all kinds of things on there and i'm like yeah i always be sharing your story i'm like yo what's what you see that as far as the game for wealth building so not only do millennials want to do or I guess that's Gen Z. Gen Z millennials want to do more traveling, which is something to plan for. They also have a different kind of situation with the internet. Mm. So the internet not only has brought about, uh, you know, a lot of like needs that people see, new new wants that people are coming up with, but also new ways to build wealth and new ways to make money. So it's a very, very different conversation for my clients who are in their 40s as opposed to clients who are in their 30s or late 20s because the game has changed and there's so many different options. And now that's why so many people, I think, are like, well, I have a small business where I do X, Y, and Z, or I have a small side hustle where I, you know, podcast or I sell t-shirts. And so it's a different game for people in their 20s and 30s. And so a lot of it is a balancing act. So we're talking about how to balance your W-2 and your 1099 um, or your small business. And so it's a conversation of like, how do we make the two work together? And then the conversation is usually I want to transition full time to my own business. So how do I do that? So 
within my practice, I'm doing a lot of small business planning, which has always been something that I've been really interested in. I've had private equity investments over the last six, seven years, eight years. And so that's something that's very close to my heart. I like indulging in that kind of a thing. So, you know, not only are we talking about the stock market, designing your portfolio and how that works, but we're also talking about private equity, small business engagements. And although that's not uh, like private equity valuations and things like that is not my strong suit, I typically would connect clients with somebody for that. So for people in their 20s and 30s, the conversation looks very different about building wealth. And um, I try to encourage people to take the opportunities in front of them without overextending themselves. Because who said there's a million ways to get it? Choose one. Trivia. Jizzy. Good. That's his birthday. That's a good. I see you. I see you. Yeah. Um, I'm very woke. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So, so it's yeah. Like, so, there's more so access. There's, yeah, ahead. you have access to so many things, and there's like literally a million ways to make money. You just got to figure out what fits you, what makes the most sense for your situation, right. because you can't try to do everything. I've seen people try to do everything, and it looks messy, and it's just really hard. Now, maybe you can do everything with a partner or two. But by yourself, I just see people overextend themselves. They overwork themselves. And so I just don't recommend that. 100%. Because, you know, one of the things that we we haven't said, but part of the wealth building equation is freedom, right? Like, you can have all the money in the world, but if you're not free, right, whether that's location, whether that's financial, or I guess you would have the financial, whether that's lo- location or what's the other one? Um, time, right? Like, then what, what are we doing? Right. And so it's like, you, I, I like the way I like to phrase it is you got to have business and or ambition and lifestyle alignment. Right. You can't say I want to be the next Zuckerberg without also saying you want to be in court every week. Right. Man's in court every week. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just different. And so I'm not saying don't pursue that. I'm just saying you have to ask yourself, like you have to count the cost. Right. Like oftentimes we just look at the result. It's like, oh, I want that outcome, but we don't understand all of the ingredients, all of the work, all of the things that come with that. So you want to kind of reverse engineer, and I have this process for doing it, but you want to kind of reverse engineer like, okay, if I believe that I want that outcome, let me first identify all the things it's going to take to manifest that outcome. And if I still want it after that, great. Like you can't say, oh, I want a six pack. I want to be summertime fine. It's like, okay, well, for the next six months are you going to eat this way are you willing to work out three four times a week are you willing to not drink as much are you oh i don't know so if you're not then you don't really want that you want the appearance of what that represents and it's okay to reevaluate it's okay to be like you know i thought i wanted that but maybe my my lifestyle doesn't align with that and that's okay it's not, i don't even like take take that away like you're a failure if you have a realization that you don't want that like i i thought i wanted to like be a huge like a zuckerberg one day but i realized no like i prefer freedom right and so i want to align myself with people who can help help me build my vision and theirs and i can also enjoy my life and my time and, and travel and have peace of mind and not be burning the candle at both ends mm-hmm. for my entire life, right will you have yeah, a, a season of grind yeah for sure mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be indefinite 
Exactly. And it's just about setting realistic expectations is what I tell usually my coaching clients. It's like, okay, like you said, you know, you're not willing to do the thing. So are you okay with the two pack? Not six pack, just a two pack. Does that that work for you? (laughs) You're still, you're still look pretty good. You still look better than most people on the beach. Um, (laughs) Right. But nah, cool, cool, cool. All right. So you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you got a book coming out. And uh, I, I don't know this for sure, but I heard through the grapevine that there's like this other really cool financial advisor hmm. who like, wrote the board or something. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, you have to elaborate more. The but, forward. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Raise your hand if you wrote the forward for money planning and positivity. I think. I think. I think I- <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yes, you did write the forward. In fact, um, did you enjoy the book? I did. I thought it was a very digestible, practical, tangible read. Um, I think it's something that was holistic, obviously, uh, coming from you. And I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy the book. I think it's going to be almost like, like, I think I said in the forward, like a tool in your tool belt. Um, because one of the things that we mentioned that, you know, Jacqueline does really well is repetition, right? So thinking of these really valuable, timeless, I would say, principles, and sharing them over and over again. And, and the reason why that's so important is because I think about like your favorite song, right? Like you probably listen to that thing hundreds of times. So imagine if you listen to the things that can transform your mindset, help you attract more uh, money into your life, help you attract more positivity into your life, right? Imagine if you had that on repeat. So the reason why I say it's a toolkit, uh, a tool in your tool belt is because it's not a book that you want to read one time. It's a book that you want to constantly remind yourself this is the person I'm becoming. These are the things I need to be thinking about. Um, and so I really, I really enjoyed the book. Good, good. I actually added a piece after you wrote the foreword because the foreword was so amazing. Um, so after you read the foreword, there's actually a note section. So it's for you to write what wealth means to you currently before you read the book. And then after you read the book, there's another section for you to write down what it means to you then. And so I think that that's going to be really important for people who actually feed into the book because, you know, I've been doing that for myself. You know, you write down something and then you look at it a few years later and you're like, okay, how do I feel about that then? How do I feel about that now? Did I accomplish that goal? Am I on my way to accomplishing that goal? And so I think that that, like you said, for repetition purposes is going to be really key in helping people to actually apply the book. Yeah. And speaking of, go ahead. I was, I was going to say 100%. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. And so like speaking of, you mentioned reverse engineering, how we do things, you know, for me and for like a lot of my clients who really do want to hound down on this goal setting, I actually follow the Jeff Bezos method. And his method, according to CNBC, is that he looks seven years into the future and then reverse engineers everything. So it's 2020, we're looking at 2027. 2027, how old are you? Okay, you fill that in. Oh, shit. 2027, <laughs> you're about 40 years old. <laughs> and what do you want your life to look like at that point? So, you know, what do you want? Like, I even like to say your home life because I don't think that it can just 
exclusively be finance or business. So what do you want your home life to be like? What do you want your health to look like? You know, of course, what do you want your finances to look like? You know, where do you want to live? All of those things. So you fill all of that in for 2027. And then you just work backwards from there to figure out, okay, it's 2020. How am I going to get to that in 2027? So um, it's really interesting. I usually take a look at mine uh, around this time every year. And so it's funny to me because my numbers match up with about what I had anticipated. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, from three years ago, like I'm actually on track for what I want. And so it's, it's honestly been really amazing to like look back and see like, oh, wow. So like you actually are accomplishing your goals. I know it seems slow and steady and it seems like it's taking a long time, but you're going exactly where it is that you wanted to go. So I encourage people to just follow that kind of a method. And um, I think it keeps you on track and keeps you motivated. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, like I said, by the time you're hearing this, uh, the book will be live, available, where books are sold and all that good stuff. We'll make sure we include the information in the show notes. Uh, you'll be seeing me share it as well. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal book. And as a matter of fact, what I'll do is I'll buy a couple copies and we'll do a giveaway um, if you on Instagram or something. We'll figure it out uh, so that you guys can get the book in your hands. Of course, you got to leave a review at least on this episode. Yeah. At least uh, to be able to be eligible, but uh, where can we find you? Right, because you know now you came on the podcast and people are like, "Oh, who's this other cool financial advisor?" But she's almost as cool as you. I might as well follow her too and tap <laughs> in with her. So like, might as well tap in. Yeah, so where, where where can we where can we find you and connect with you and all that good stuff? So you can find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram, Jacqueline Plans, Jacqueline like the Kennedy. Uh, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E and the word plans, P-L-A-N-S. And that's going to be the same for my website, Facebook, Twitter. All that jazz. You know, all that, but TikTok. Never really got into it. I have mentioned that yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Do you, have, do you go by nickname or do you just go by Jacqueline? I just go by Jacqueline. I okay. guess like my motorcycle riding group, they call me Jay. Okay. Jacqueline's cool. really long, I know. No, I mean, I... My last name is long, so you know I'm. I'm used. To, I, just, I just was curious if you like had a preference. So you go like my nickname or not? Okay, but you're okay with people calling you Jay. That's fine. Or just exclusively to the motorcycle club. It's kind of like more so exclusively to friends. So you know, if you hop on social media and you want to be friends, like feel free to call me Jay on there. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I might pull the Jay card here and there. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, you know, I actually have another announcement. So the only, not only will you be able to find her by checking out her social media, her website, and all that good stuff. As of this episode, you will also be able to find her back on the Uncensored podcast. So for the longest, I have wanted to have a a co-host who I feel like can bring a different dynamic to the show. Um, I had a good friend of mine who, who did come on for a good amount of episodes, but I realized if I still want this to be more of a financially centered podcast, it would be nice to have someone who shared my ideals, my beliefs, and most importantly, um, had the financial acumen to be able to weigh in and provide perspective. So again, she is the cream of the crop in that regard. I actually, when we met um, in Atlanta not too long ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to bow out gracefully as running the race for best financial planner, and I will pass the, happily pass the torch or really get out of the way. Because she's like, you don't got to pass the torch. You just got to move out the way because I'm, like, I'm going to get it anyway. But um, I just, I think that she's a phenomenal person. Brings a lot of good energy, big money energy. Money energy. Uh, 
to to life more importantly and obviously that will translate to the podcast so we're really excited um, to have her back on a consistent basis we're going to keep it really fun and organic uh you know this is we're not going you know too far too deep we're just going to show up provide value and over time based upon the feedback that y'all get from us you know we'll continue to evolve this thing and, and, and go into a myriad of different directions so that is one of a few things I'll, I'll keep the others close to the chest for now one of a few things that her and I uh, will be collaborating on again just trying to create this synergy in the space collaborate you know show what it looks like to do bigger and better and versus trying to do it all on your own and put it all on your shoulders uh which we talked about earlier right like she's very well equipped in anything that we do together she could obviously go out and do on her own and I could obviously go out and do on my own but why right why not share that, um, I won't say burden, blessing with, uh, with others and um, obviously leverage different insights, different perspectives. She sees things I don't see. Um, you know, I sometimes, even though I'm an executor of all executors, I can live in the clouds a little bit. And what I like about uh, Jacqueline, she would say, yeah, I love that, but like, what are we doing tonight or today? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's gonna be a really good dynamic. We're gonna come up with some really good topics probably even adjust the format a little bit um, just to, you know, make it interesting for you guys. And again, so that's the the formal or informal introduction to her as a new uh, co-host on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to the episodes that we're going to have. I think that what we don't see in our industry a lot is collaboration between financial advisors. Everybody feels like they're just head to head and everybody's competing for clients and I just don't feel like that. Um, so I'm glad that we're able to collaborate on some things and yeah. looking forward to it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to hold it, hold it in. But we got some exciting stuff. Got some Wait, exciting. Let, me, let me clear the air. The only thing that George and I are in competition for is the coolest financial planner. So yeah. we're going to make sure to like keep doing that poll regularly. Yes. To see who's in the league. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for this uh, this episode. And obviously, we look forward to uh, the episodes to come since you'll be a part of them. And until next time, guys, peace.